Welcome to Bible Mysteries. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? You're listening to episode 173, UFOs and Angels, interview with Ali Siadadin. Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. Hello and welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell and this is the show that talks about things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. My co-host John Potts is not here today. He is out with a bit of a cold, but uh, we wish him well and hope he recovers quickly. But in the meantime, I've got a very special guest I'm going to introduce you to in just a moment. But I'd like to start with letting you know that this episode is brought to you by the following Bible Mystery Podcast premium subscribers, or seekers as we like to call them. And that would be Martin V., Christine G., Jennifer A., Barry B., and John F., all of whom joined us in August of last year. So thank you, all of you, for your support because your subscription helps us put out this content and basically you're supporting a ministry. So we very much appreciate you and the Lord. And without further ado, I want to introduce you to our upcoming guest in just a moment. We'll show you to him. But uh, Ali Siadadin of Think Again Productions is going to join us shortly here, and we're going to talk about all types of UFO-type things, because Ali has a wonderful video we're going to discuss. But uh, Ali Siadadin is a long spiritual search began shortly after the Shia revolution of 1979 in his native Iran, and that led Ali to become a disciple of Jesus Christ in 1990. In 1996, Ali completed a master's degree in French language and literature at the University of Toronto, and in September of 1999, he answered the call of the Lord over his life and opened a center to minister to urbanites through martial and healing arts as well as spiritual studies for seekers. And it's interesting, he used the word seekers too. Uh, Ali has a black belt in Kung Fu and has been training since 1991. He's married and has two wonderful daughters and is the founder of Think Again Productions in Canada. Thinkagainproductions.com is the website. Uh, It is a multimedia teaching ministry shedding light on mysteries and treasures of scriptural knowledge coming from the Lord to this generation. Knowledge which is making the Bible more real than ever, just when we thought it was all myth. Evidence keeps agreeing with the Bible's tale from biblical cities peering through the sand to alien abductions and prophetic events. The mysteries of the Bible have opened up to our generation in a way no other could see it. And in 2006, Think Again Productions released the groundbreaking groundbreaking documentary UFOs, Angels, and Gods on Google Video. It received 270,000 views in nine months. So... Join me in welcoming Ali Siadadin. Thank you so much for coming to Bible Mysteries today. Scott, thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, glad to be here, and I really look forward to our conversation. Well, I do too, uh, and I, as I uh, uh, 
we discussed shortly before we began tonight, you and I first met on the Josh Mundy podcast. Uh, there's a roundtable of some luminaries on the Bible, and I got to meet you then, so I was so glad to have met you then. You and I clearly uh, have a, a similar perspective on the Word of God, at least where uh, UFOs and angels are concerned. And so immediately uh, I, I went up and looked up your documentary and watched the video and was just fascinated because there was a time when I thought I was the only crazy person in the world that <laughs> tied this stuff into the Bible. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not the only one. There's some really smart people out there that are getting the same revelation from the Lord. So I praise God for the video. And, of course, we will link uh, in our show notes where people can go to watch it if they've never seen it. Yes. You bet. So, Ali, let's start by, let me ask you to tell us your long spiritual search. Tell us how you came to faith in Christ while in Persia. Uh, were you raised Muslim or were you raised another faith? Uh, I was born kind of a, a secular family, kind of uh, Muslim light. You mm -hmm. know, it was um, in the background, yes, the, my grandmother did uh, the daily prayers, um, my aunt had joined a Sufi organization, which is Islamic mysticism, because she never got married. But at the end of the day, it was mainly a secular family where you're just kind of living a normal, modern, kind of liberal life, you know. Um, um, yeah, just like kind of like a Westerner. Um, <laughs> and then the Islamic Revolution happened in 1979. And... Um, Everything became about religion suddenly. The clerics took over the country. And like all religions at the beginning, there's a lot of fervor and they really want to assert themselves. Uh, so they really go overboard. Um, the um, uh, school, I was in school um, in 1979, and uh, the entire program was revised. And now you had to study religion once a week. There was a religion, religion course. There are sermons uh, offered uh, in school, um, and the television was nothing other than clerics uh, preaching. Um, mm. The system of the country changed. You know, the uh, uh, month of fasting became very strict. Everyone, everything had to close. Um, there was a moral morality police was created that roamed the streets to make sure that uh, you know. People were dressed properly. Um, music was wow. banned. Videos were banned. So, so religion became really kind of front and center. Yeah. And so suddenly, something that I'd never thought about in my life was everywhere, and that was kind of it pushed me into beginning a spiritual search. Um, I had to memorize certain surahs of the Quran and the different prayers for. The daily prayer, you know, the Muslims pray five times a day. You have to now memorize that. And it was in Arabic, and I didn't understand anything. And I thought to myself, well, if this is really about God, I'm sure God doesn't just want incantations that yeah. I don't even understand. He might want to know what I'm saying, and I want to know what I'm saying. So I came home, and I'm like, okay, guys, can you explain to me what this means? And no one knew. No one in my house knew. Like even in my extended family, uncles, you know, uh, grandparents, and I realized, wow, no one actually knows what any of this means because it's in a foreign language. It's in Arabic. Right. And uh, Iranians speak Persian. And that was kind of an eye-opener, um, this this window into the culture that the adults, they didn't know any of this stuff. They had no idea what any of it meant. And 
so I started to kind of poke around. Eventually, my aunt, the one who had gone to Sufism, gave me some uh, pamphlets and brochures, which were uh, translations of some of these prayers into Persian. And then she gave me some Quranic stories for kids to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the beginning, I guess, of my spiritual search. I got interested in understanding uh, God. Um, and then right. when we moved to France in 1984, I was kind of confronted with secularism, um, atheism. I didn't even know there were people in the world that didn't believe in the existence of God. That was a new thing. It was like, wow, just oh. people don't believe in God. That's, that's kind of new. Because uh, in, in, in Iran, in the Middle East, things are, were a lot more under a theistic paradigm culturally. Yeah. Right. In the heat of that Islamic revolution, the idea that, you know, no, I mean, no one ever, I, ever, I never spoke with anybody that said they didn't believe in God. I mean, people didn't like the religion. They didn't like uh, this particular regime, things like that. They thought they were hardliners, et cetera. But no one ever said, oh, there's no God. That, that, was, that was kind of not really... Um, part of the cultural conversation that much. And so the, with secularism and, and and France came also critical thinking. That was something the French school education system really emphasized, critical thinking and weighing ideas. Mm-hmm. And there was then the pork in the school cafeteria I was like, what am I going to do about that? And my mom said, well, you don't have to worry too much about it. In the days of Muhammad, they, they didn't eat pork because they got sick. They got worms under the skin. There was no fridge. There was no refrigeration. Right. Now you can eat it. It's not a problem. And to my mom, that was, you know, she wasn't a practicing Muslim, so it didn't mean anything to her. But to me, that was a huge statement. It meant you could question the laws of God, you know, that it was like, it was up for grabs. Like you could okay. actually, you know, question it. You could, you could have commentary on it. You can go this way and go that way. Potato, potato. Da, da. <laughs> so I thought, okay, so I can actually um, question it all then. That's, that's what it meant to me. It was like someone put and anything that this is, if the pork is not that serious, well then this can, this line of reasoning can apply to anything in the Quran then. Um, so if, I took kind of the deeper dive into what France had to offer. I started to become familiar with philosophy and the the age of reason, um, atheism, the thought of man. And then we moved to Canada and Canada was a Protestant country and I didn't really appreciate that at first, what it meant and how different it was from France. But it meant that because of the printing press and the printing of the Bible and the fact that the Protestants had come to value the Bible, um, in in Canada, the Bible is seen more as like something that intelligent people study. It, it's like someone was a Bible scholar or a historian of b- biblical matters. It was seen as a good thing. Okay, this person is educated. They're intelligent. Mm-hmm. Uh, in France, it was very looked down upon. So anything I do, the the French Revolution was not just against the king, but it was also against the clergy. And the school system was designed to secularize people into adulthood. Um, So in Canada, there was more of a warm, you know, fuzzy feeling about things spiritual and specifically about the Bible. And I didn't understand 
you know, the history and why, but I, but I could see that the spiritual conversation continued here. And at this point, I was really interested in mysticism. I wanted to have a direct experience with God. Okay. I didn't want religion or laws, um, precepts or uh, prayers or fasting or, um, you know, I wanted to actually have a direct experience with God. I used to say to myself, if God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, he can appear to me as well. That was kind of my, you know, rallying cry to my own self. And um, I got into Eastern things. And um, as I was looking into all that stuff, the Lord led me to a martial arts school um, through kind of a supernatural event that happened. And and uh, they had spiritual studies on Saturdays, and I attended. And at first it was just kind of general, it seemed philosophical. But one day I got there, and, I re and he was holding a King James Version of the Bible, a Schofield Bible. Oh, yeah. And he was kind of preaching out of it and he was um you know he was irish um and uh, and so i thought oh no this guy is a is a fundamentalist christian not only is he a christian but he's a fundamentalist christian he's like the worst kind of christian oh, yeah. he actually he actually believes the bible is the words of god and and so to me i guess to my mind that kind of hurt the islamic revolution of Iran, um, the uh, uh, I, I, it's interesting, but you know the, uh, the even the word fundamentalist was originally used by this journalist to talk about Southern Baptists, and then he was asked to write an article in 1982 about the Islamic Revolution in Iran, and he noticed similarities that they were going back to the fundamentals of okay. the faith. So okay. he used the word to talk about the Islamists of Iran. So it had a little bit of that, like. And, and so I thought, okay, I, I, I became very afraid, and I thought, i got to get out of here. I'm in the wrong place. This is not what I thought it was it was all about here. And I was going to run out and grab my shoes and leave. It was my shoes were right outside. Um, and then I had a vision of a hand, a white hand, appeared on my shoulder, my left shoulder. And I heard a voice in my head, and the voice said, you know, this man has taught you um, things that you consider to be wise, he may have something to teach you about this as well. Okay. And then my whole body was filled with a sense of peace, a deep peace. And I thought, okay, I'll I'll sit and listen. And I was listening. So, of course, you know, we were just reading the Bible. Uh, it was kind of like uh, talks about the Bible and also kind of chapter by chapter study of different books. Um, and, and so downstairs in those weeks, where we were now looking at the Bible, someone was giving out tracks, one of these people, because we were right downtown, and someone was giving out tracks, and I got a track, and it, it talked about Jesus um, and eternal life and forgiveness of sins and all of that. And I thought, well, I've never really heard of this before because the Islamic Jesus is a prophet. He brings Sharia law. He's not divine. He doesn't die for your sins. He's basically kind of a Jewish version of Muhammad and a lesser prophet. And that's why I thought I no need to study the writings of a lesser prophet. I've already kind of rejected the legalism of Islam, and I'm looking for mysticism. And why would I study the writings of a lesser prophet? Right. And I guess in the back of my mind somewhere, not knowing anything, I somehow felt that Christianity was about the medieval wars of the Catholic age. I don't know. That's I reduced all that Christianity was to just a soundbite in the back of my mind. I was like, well, it just sounds like a lot of politics. 
It's not. It doesn't have that mystical quality that I'm looking for. I'm not getting that like okay. Aha. And so when I read the track about the Son of God and the prayer uh, of the sinner, Nasa, I thought, well, I've never heard this before. And I consulted with a gentleman. He said, yes, you know, it's immortality. I mean, that's a great gift. And and so I decided that, okay, you know, it looks like I, I'm getting the formula of this particular religion. I've tried so many other ones. I mean, I've gone deep into all the different religions that I studied. I never got the uh, connection I was looking for. And I thought to myself, like, I'm going to go with this one. I see the formula you're supposed to kind of accept that this man died for your sins, came back on the third day, that you have to confess your sins, accept that you're a sinner in the eyes of God, accept that this is the atonement, profess it. And that seems to be it. Like, that's that's the formula. And so I kind of made a, a pact with myself um, that I was going to give it a try. And if something happened and I made the connection I was looking for with God, then great, then I know I found the truth. If not, I'll catalog it as another religion in my library of religions okay. and kind of move on in my search. That's why my series is called the Seeker Series, because I respected people's right to, to search and ask and all that. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was kind of my journey. So I did the prayer. I mean, honestly, I, I said, okay, myself, I can't even uh, live up to the laws of my own conscience. So I can agree that I've broken the laws of God. And, and I, you know, I... Before I went to bed, I just sat down on my knees and and really went for it and and said the prayer and and went to bed. And then a couple of days later, two or three days later, I was watching television, and a, a, a spiritual question came to my mind. And usually, I would get into a big conversation weighing the question, but then I just said to myself, "No, you know what? God knows. I don't know. God knows." And I released it, and somehow, I don't know if that was related to anything, but suddenly I felt this explosion um, of energy inside of myself, and then my body was completely covered with this fire, and I was suddenly aware of the presence of God, which was what I was looking for. And I had to turn the TV off and lie on the couch and just absorb kind of what was happening to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and. The, I mean, the, the most important thing part was I was suddenly aware of the presence of God, which I am to this day. And so I went down to the center and I said, look, I don't know if something's happening. What is this? And they said, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. I said, well, why is it burning? They, they, <laughs> they said it's uh, burning the impurities um, out of you. And then for a few days, I, I had visions. I mean, it went on for a few days. I had visions. And uh, I really thought I could see the entire grammar of languages. I mean, it was was fascinating. It lasted a, pretty much a week. But the most important part wasn't the visions and, the, and some sort of elevation of consciousness. It was the fact that I was aware of the presence of God. And so I was like, I can't believe it. This worked. I tried all these things, and none of it worked. And I tried this, and it worked. And 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 so I I began to study the Bible because I wanted to know what. I mean, so far all I had to go with was. The spiritual studies where Jesus was mentioned and the track I received. And that's it. That was kind of, and so then I took the deep dive into the Bible. The first gospel I read was the Gospel of Luke. Then I read the book of Acts and then the book of Revelation. And I guess I never stopped. And that was in the yeah. summer of 1991. And so it took me a few years, I think about three years, to understand what had happened to me that, that there was the inner, that the body of, was a temple. Um, there was a temple in Jerusalem, there was a temple in heaven, and that right. we were a temple. And that when I had professed the Lord 
uh, my sin was removed. That was what's obstructing me from God. And then God allowed my conscience, my spirit to enter the Holy of Holies of this inner temple where the spirit of God descended and my spirit and God's spirit met in my, in, in my, in me. And that's why my consciousness was suddenly aware of the presence of God because the veil was removed, sin was removed, and the Holy Spirit, my spirit, now had uh, met uh, together, yeah. like Paul's, like communion. And so, yes, and and so that's that's what had happened to me. And now I knew why this had worked, and the whole concept of atonement, and and the um, you know the, the Levitical laws, and how the prophecies, and how it led to the Messiah. And so I finally had my answer as to why this had worked. Um, I mean, God ordained it this way. Yeah. Um, and then a few years later, I got into questioning angels and what was that all about, which I think was the beginning of the events that led to the making of the documentary you mentioned. Hi, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider being a full-time subscriber. We are going to use these funds to expand the message and get the word out about what's in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. We appreciate you listening, but we'd love it if you'd subscribe. That way we can reach more people with the time we have left. So enjoy the rest of the podcast, but think about subscribing if the Lord puts it on your heart. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks. Yeah, well, and uh, and we're gonna we're gonna get into that uh, quite a bit, Ali. But um, that's a fascinating uh, way the Lord brought you to an understanding of Him, and and I, I guess what we could say is um, you you were sort of searching, and but you didn't really know where to look, and then the Lord kind of said, "Here I am," and you now have a personal. Uh, relationship with him, which uh, in a place that you probably would never have looked <laughs> otherwise. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you you mentioned your grandmother and the Sufi. Uh, that's a that's a um, a sect of Islam, correct? My aunt, yeah. Your aunt, yes. okay. It, it's Islamic mysticism. Okay. Um, Even though that... Persia is largely Shia Muslim, would you say is the majority? Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, so um, that's true. Iran is Shia Muslim. Um, it's the Iran was Sunni, like the rest of the Muslim world, all the way till the 16th century, hmm. and then a dynasty took over, the Safavi dynasty, and they were Shia, which was a small sect. Uh, they didn't even have a school of theology um, for. Reasons maybe of faith, maybe of politics, the Cossacks of Russia had come in from the north. The Portuguese were kind of the colonial power and they had landed in the Persian Gulf and come in from the south. And the Ottoman Caliphate was pushing um, from the west. And so he wanted to really unite all the tribes. The, uh, they were all under one rule, under his rule, but they really wanted to bring them together to fight these intruders and kind of reestablish Persian power. And so he chose Shiism as the glue that would distinguish Iran from the Ottomans and bring everyone together. So it took about 200 years. He, he elevated the small Shia clergy, gave them right to open seminaries and to collect tithes uh, and donations and charity and tithes. And that actually gave them the resources eventually to 
to mount a revolution against the king uh, in 1979. You know, yeah. the, the, the fact that, that they were given this power. So it took about 200 years. Um, so by the 18th century, Iran became a Shia nation. Um, that was just promoted and promoted until that became kind of the brand of, Iran, of religion. Um, and the Sufism, you know, does exist among the Sunnis as well. Um, it is sees more the teachings of the Quran as um, mysticism. It, it, it still accepts Muhammad as the final prophet, as the seal of prophets, and Islam as the religion that's destined to be the universal faith of the human race and all that. It has those fundamental premises, but it sees um, the Quran as often in allegorical language speaking about the inner world. And so they're essentially Islamic mystics. Um, they're, okay. They say that the Quran, you know, the teachings of Muhammad have four layers, like the body that has bones and flesh uh, and spirit. And uh, so, you know, you got to go, the deeper you go into it, the more you understand. And ultimately, they'll say that what Muhammad was teaching was unity with the divine, uh, to, to find a way to become one with the great oneness. Um, it sounds mm. to me like most of this thinking comes from India, yeah. um, from Hinduism. It sounds reminiscent it, of Baha'i in many ways. Right. And and then it kind of gets mixed with Islam. And so the Sufis for, are, are those who've taken some of these ideas that predate Islam about unity with the oneness, you know, like um, that I think come from Hinduism. Now, the Baha'i, uh, are a very recent movement. They're like a cult. They're a sect within Islam, and they follow the teachings of the Baha'i. And the Baha'i does have these ideas as well of the unity and all that. And he's kind of presenting himself as the completion of Muhammad's work. Mm. Um, and when you look into the Baha'i system, it's very elaborate. Uh, there's a reason they've been successful. It really does doesn't seem they came from a human mind. So I think a spirit is involved. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's there's a stronghold over them. Um, you know, nothing as strong as the one that's behind Islam, but uh, but there's something there as well. Um, so, so yeah, the, the mysticism, the mystics, at least they're kind of, you know, they're, they don't advocate militancy, uh, the Sufis. Yeah. Um, they consider jihad to be a struggle against the ego. Uh, it's an inner struggle. That's okay. how they kind of you know, interpret it. So it's it tends to to be considered more mild and enlightened um, um, in some ways. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. You know, we we in the West um, are are so unaware of Eastern religion and teaching and and even cultural understanding of the spirit realm that we sort of. Uh, never think that, well, there's, there's sects and cults and denominations in other religions too. But it's very true. Um, it may be not quite as widespread as Protestantism is, but certainly it had an impact. Did, um, when you came to Canada, Ali, were you there for, to further study, or did you move for other reasons from France? Uh, we moved from France because France has a very closed system. It's not an immigrant land. It's not designed to welcome people uh, from everywhere. Um, it doesn't have that saying, uh, you know, the 
Statue of Liberty has a saying. It doesn't. It's not that kind of a land. It's not saying yeah. come here. Give me hungry, you're clear, tired, you're poor, kind of. Yeah, right. It's not that kind of a land. It's it's for the French. So then, so it's very difficult to integrate um, on a legal. I mean, socially doesn't really matter. You find your way, but but just legally, like getting a work permit, getting citizenship, it, you really have to queue for a very long. You have to stand in line for a very long time and jump through a lot of hoops and stay there for a long time on your own dime without the right to work or anything until finally it takes 30 years before you can apply for citizenship. For oh my. Um, and so, and, and there was a party in the parliament that was uh, saying that, you know, we should restrict it to only those who can prove their French blood. And, but that was kind of like, it was that kind of, so eventually it became clear that, you know what, this was going to be difficult to function here. And the unemployment was high, it was over 11%. Um, so, you know, finding a job, um, so it was a great place to visit on holidays, uh, like, you know, it's the Eiffel Tower and all that. But when it came to living, the idea was to go to the States. So we had, we had we did apply to, to go to the States, but they, they didn't let us in because after the revolution, the Iranian passport became worthless and, there was no bilateral relations hmm. uh, between America and Iran, even though there's a lot of stories about Jimmy Carter um, had these ideas of creating a um, a green uh, belt against the red belt, uh, an Islamic uh, wave against the Soviet uh, wave. Hmm. And so you know, the Afghanistan, the Islamists of Afghanistan were supported by America to fight the Soviets there. Oh, and yeah. the, when the revolution was taking off in Iran, there was apparently Jimmy Carter felt that maybe he should just, you know, go along with whoever is coming next. Um, and the French, the, you know, the um, Khomeini, the leader of the Iranian revolution, the cleric who masterminded this Islamic Republic, he was living in France mm -hmm. and Air France flew him to Iran Um Apparently, the story is that Jimmy Carter's administration gave him $150 million, which allowed him to pay for his expenses in France. And so, um, but afterwards, when he, they took the American embassy hostage uh, and it created the hostage crisis, it, the Iranian and American relations broke down. So we weren't able to get a visa to come to the States. We applied yeah. twice from France. So the Iranian community started to say that, you know, there is a way to America and that's through Canada. So if you go to Canada as an immigrant, after three years, they give you Canadian citizenship. And after that, you just drive down to the States. And so the idea was to go to Vancouver, which is in British Columbia, mm -hmm. north of Seattle, uh, stay there for three years, get a Canadian passport, and then go to California and open a gas station. That was the that was kind of the end goal of the family's journey because if you sell all this oil where does it go well most of it goes to america they must have a lot of need for gas over there that's kind of the thinking of of a lot of rains in the 70s and 80s and and so but we, we never made it out of canada we just grew roots here and stayed and so that it was more of a yeah it was a journey of immigration leave iran and yet to land somewhere to start a life and the destination was California, but we never made it to California. Yeah. Well, it, it, God had other plans for you. <laughs> it did. <laughs> it did. It did. 
So uh, yeah, kept you there. Well, then the final uh, destination so, was the kingdom of heaven, and it seems true. that it, it went through Toronto. <laughs> it went through Toronto. You found you. You yeah. found like my grandfather used to say that everybody who dies has a way a layover in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> but because uh, of the airport there. But, you know, um, yeah. that that background helps us so much to understand how you came to the point you are. And and if I may ask, when you when you came to that understanding that Jesus Christ was the Savior and you believed on right. him, what was your age at that point? Were you still young or were you an adult? I was 18 going on to 19. Oh, so still pretty young. Yeah. That's a, yeah, I mean, yeah, you I were was, an adult, obviously, but you were... I was about to start university. It was okay, a summer so between high school and university, yeah. Right, okay. So you went on to study French language and other things, uh, I guess because you had lived in France? I was fluent in French, and I wanted to keep it. So I went to the first year of university. I went and uh, I went to study international relations to become a diplomat because as an Iranian immigrant family, your parents expect that you're going to deliver now some great worldly thing. And and then uh, and and my mind was not completely enthralled with spirituality, and that's all really mattered to me. And so, I you know I, I was spending most of my time in the library studying basically religion. So I said, you know, I, that's where I need to go. I, I, I that's that's the calling that's over my life. Hmm. And so I um I wrote a letter to my mom and I said, you know, mom, I I'm going to study philosophy and religion. And she really didn't like it because. She used mm. to think that that lead to a good living, and you know, philosophers are poets. That's what she said to me, which is a Persian way of saying they're essentially homeless uh, yeah, people, like, like musicians and, <laughs> and musicians. And so, but I was so eager. I took courses in both religion and philosophy over the summer. Didn't even, even wait for the next year. After I, you know, the first year was all about international relations, economics, politics, and all that stuff. And I realized that the philosophy wasn't what I thought. There was no search for truth. It was more about just different ways of thinking. And 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 the religion course was more about kind of, um, they were like curators of a museum talking about the history of religion or something. And I realized the university setting doesn't offer me exactly what I'm looking for. And I love telling stories. And the only course I took that I really liked was French literature and I wanted to keep my French up. And I thought, you know what? I think I'm going to just focus on that and become a storyteller and deepen my understanding of my faith um, during this time where I'm bound to go to university. And so I, I studied French language and literature, and then I did a master's degree in that. And then when I finished, um, I applied for the doctorate, and then I was waiting to hear from them. Uh, there was a church right at the foot of the French department, I went into the side of that church waiting for my appointment to go upstairs to get my answer. And I actually had a vision in that church as I was sitting. I, I had a vision, uh, a real, like, you know, a vision. And, you know, it was just playing out for me. I had a vision of the Lord sitting on his throne. And he said, bring Ali to me. And these two angels brought me to him. And then he, he said, you're here to do my work. And, and then I just was like, wow, it was just and so I left that church. I went upstairs, and they said to me, they're not going to take me in the PhD program. And so I was like, wow, I, I just got two messages in a single moment, in a single day. Um, actually, you know, during um, the COVID lockdown, 
uh, I would I would go on big bike rides around the city, and I I was biking by that church, mm-hmm. and I just remembered and I stopped and I and I looked at it and it's a church, which was a, um, uh, what they call them so basilic basilicas of Brazilian, that they are a Catholic or teaching order. They're they're an order within the Catholic Church that is dedicated to teaching um, okay. the Bible, and. On the door, there are these panels hanging with Psalm 119, mm-hmm. and they're a teaching ministry. So it was inside of a um, basilica. Was the, was, I forget the name, but I, I think it, basilica it was, is the word you're trying to say, right? Basilica means the the structure, right? That's the structure. They're actually, okay, they're an order within the Catholic Church. There's a teaching ministry. Okay, and so it was inside of an, a, a building that's dedicated to 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 an order that is a teaching ministry that I got a vision that I was going to uh, do the work of the Lord. And so, and so I thought, okay, you know what? Um, that's what I'm supposed to do. And, and then the Lord, um, I was waiting for the bus a little while later. And I said, God, you know, gave me knowledge of, of your son. You gave me the Holy spirit. You opened my mind to the study of the Bible, but you never gave me a way to make a living. And this was the first time that I heard God's audible voice in my head. Uh, it's happened, I think, you know, a few times, like three times, where God has thundered his audible voice in my head. Mm-hmm. And the Lord said, I gave you martial arts. And so um, I, I realized, you know, the same way that I had come to the Lord through a Christian martial arts center, that I should do the same. And perhaps I could bring others to the Lord and disciple them. And I did. And many people came to the Lord, and I had the seeker studies on Saturdays, and so many people got baptized. I started the Bible studies on Thursdays, and then works in seminars. And then I realized that the Christian martial arts movement was a worldwide movement, with with people all over the world, even in Turkey and Hong Kong, in in, in everywhere, in, in every state in the United States, um, people that opened these Christian martial arts movements, uh, schools that were outreaches for the Lord. And that I, this was, this was, I thought, from the Holy Spirit then, because no one told us, no one led us. And so I ran that from 1999 to really 2018. Um, and, you know, I, we had a Bible study every week, twice a week eventually. The lectures, tons of people coming to the Lord. Um, it was it marked my life, uh, the whole idea of having this ministry. Um, it, of course, taught me a great deal about the Bible itself. Um, and um, then the Lord, you know, put on my heart to go to Iran. And that's where I had a UFO sighting in the desert. And that led to looking for a biblical explanation of what could, you know, what is it, what is this thing? And that led to the making of that documentary and the creation of thinking and productions. Um, and when COVID came and, you know, we had to shut down the center for two years, that's when the Lord met me and changed my heart. And I realized that I was entering a new chapter of my life. And um, my focus is now on writing, uh, on teaching, on writing, and on creating audiovisual works uh, that teach the mysteries uh, of the Bible that the Lord is revealing to this generation. Um, right now, the focus is on the cosmic tale of the Bible. Yeah, a lot of great pastors and teachers are cover 
you know, the covenantal teachings of the Lord and um, understanding the Christian walk. Um, but I think the cosmic tale is where uh, one can really come in and bring a lot of insight, um, especially since the cycles of biblical history repeat themselves. Absolutely. And so the days of Noah, the, um, the the period of, of the Exodus and the Passover and the Pharaoh and and the, all of these things that are ahead of us, and um, maybe even the days of Antiochus Epiphanes and the abomination of desolation. So, so there's there is a need to understand the cosmic tale of the Bible, and to understand it uh, as being the result of a connection between humanity and the forces of the angelic world, fallen and righteous, yeah. uh, and that this has always been a part of our history, and that's brought us to the 21st century, and they're still here. And they're still part of the story, and uh, it's important to kind of shed some light on all of this. Hi, and thank you for listening today. We hope you're enjoying this fascinating interview, and we'd like you to know that we provide all of our content free of charge, but our full guest interviews are available only to our premium subscribers. So if you'd like to hear the entire interview, please consider subscribing at BibleMysteriesPodcast.com.